Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. There are so many incredible and inspiring women within the sustainability space that are making a huge impact in their communities and around the world. And one of those people is today's guest. Dominique Drakeford was one of the first people that I found on Instagram when I started the Sustainable Brown Girl platform. Dominique is a creator, educator, businesswoman, mother, and so much more. She is the ultimate multi-hyphenate talented woman within the sustainability space, and I'm so honored to have the pleasure of chatting with her today. But before we get too deep into that, I want to remind you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy to do on any Apple device. Just search for Sustainable Brown Girl Podcast and be sure to follow if you aren't already. Then scroll down to the review area and I'm sure you want to leave a five-star review. So go ahead and do it. It really helps us with getting more people to discover the show. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and I will feature it in an upcoming episode. If you're not already, be sure to follow Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and use the hashtag Sustainable Brown Girl to be featured on the page. I love seeing what everyone's up to, their sustainable swaps, their outfit inspo. So I love sharing that on Instagram. Also, if you have a few dollars to spare, please consider becoming a Sustainable Brown Girl patron on Patreon. It really helps to keep the show going on a consistent basis, and you'll get access to some exclusive content. A link to the Patreon page is in the show notes. As always, your support is greatly appreciated. Today's featured Sustainable Brown Girl is Dominique Drakeford an environmental educator, community advocate, and sustainable style influencer. Dominique works at the intersections of sustainability and style to heal our relationship to the earth and spark equitable change for economic well-being while simultaneously celebrating her Blackness. Dominique, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to chat with you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. Yay. Yeah, girl, you were like the sustainable brown girl queen. Like, so, <laughs> so I just kind of want to like unpack all the things with you. But first, let's start with how your sustainable journey began. Um, okay, so I would say, I mean, like most uh, Black folks, our sustainability journey began from birth. Mm -hmm. um, I like to always discuss how Black and brown folks have been inherently uh, sustainable from, mm -hmm. like, it's in our ancestry, it's in our DNA, our elders passed all the sustainability nutrients uh, down to us. So 
in a very theoretical blueprint sort of way, that's where my sustainability journey began. But more intentionally, um, growing up in the Bay Area in Oakland, uh, I was an avid outdoor person. I was a backpacker. I loved nature. Um, additionally, I love vintage and thrift shopping. Additionally, I love my community and, and local culture. Um, and so I think the culmination of just loving the outdoors, loving to secondhand shop and really into community advocacy at a, at a very uh, young age, that, that was sort of the uh, foundation of my sustainability journey without necessarily knowing that it was considered a sustainability journey. Right. Yeah, I totally get that. So you have like a master's or a BA in business and environmental management, and then a master's in sustainable entrepreneurship and fashion. Like yes. what kind of led you into that direction? Yeah. Um, so I think coming from the Bay Area and really, really loving to, like when I tell you I love nature, I think yeah. one of my early careers that I wanted to, to or what I wanted my, one of my early careers to be was a veterinarian. And so I was like, mm -hmm. yes, I wanna save, uh, I wanna save nature, I wanna save the animals. I'm all about preservation. Again, I don't think I had language for it at the time. Right. Um, and so when I you know, applied to traditional institutions of education, I knew I wanted to be in a career space focused on the environment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's so many different ways to be part of the environment from a career point of view. And so yeah. um, I chose a business. My mom is a, a real estate broker and investor. So I, I needed to have the business component, the business acumen. Uh -huh. um, and with a focus of environmental management, I felt like that is where I could at least learn how the environment works, how to manage the environment and how to, how to build um, business infrastructure from an environmental point of view. And throughout my undergrad, it, it really didn't take me long to understand like, okay, I, I love fashion so much. And I love at the time and still do, Missy Elliott was my go-to fashion yes. icon, right? So I'm like, okay, Missy is my go-to fashion icon. I yeah. love the environment. How can these worlds intersect? Like, how can I create a pathway um, to where my passions truly intersect? And I started researching, you know, the fashion industry. I started researching um, environmentalism. I started researching all of these things um, and realized that there's so many negative detriments in the fashion industry. And so I applied for a graduate school program in sustainable entrepreneurship and fashion because I wanted to mitigate those detriments um, in a very creative Dominique way. Yes. Um, I wanted to actually build a fashion agency. That was what my NYU application was for. I was like, okay, I'm gonna have this uh, creative fashion agency that is going to, um, really shake up shake up the industry i need i want to get rid of pollution i want to get rid of um black and brown folks who who have been uh 
who have been intentionally victimized throughout the fashion supply chain. Like I want to do all of these things through my agency while still promoting uh, brands that are doing well and people who are doing amazing work across yeah. the globe in the sustainability space. And so that's sort of the the journey of, of from a traditional education point of view, how I sort of navigated uh, sustainability and fashion and before realizing that so much of what I thought was amazing and cool and uh and just so much of what I thought initially at the point of application before moving to New York so much of what I learned is is BS um Mm. in terms of how the industry operates in terms of who are the vanguards who are being portrayed in the mainstream marketplace in terms of just so many things like I I've grown <laughs> tremendously throughout this entire journey of, of sustainability. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I can tell like from all of the different ventures that you've created, how your journey has kind of shifted over the years. So it started with melanin and sustainable style. So yes. like what kind of led you to that? And then like into your more recent um, ventures that you've been working on? Actually, what a lot of people don't know is that uh-huh. even before Melanin Ass, I mm-hmm. had um, a, a PR, a sustainable fashion PR uh, consultancy called Drake what? Natural. Yes. Yeah, I had like a little dress form with a leaf wrapped around as my logo. But before Melanin Ass, I was doing consulting work for sustainable fashion, um, beauty, and wellness brands. Okay. Um, and I think this is still with the mindset of I'm going to create this amazing agency um, in uh, to combat environmental injustice. But yeah, so I was I was working with a lot of different small brands and helping them to publicize their sustainability efforts. Like mm-hmm. I was really really passionate in in being a voice or a bridge to promote brands. And to, to add a creative flow to, to different brands so that folks can see that sustainable fashion doesn't just look stoic. And so from there, I created Melanin Ass because I started to sort of get fed up with what I saw in the mainstream industry. I saw that, um, you know, only white women were being promoted across mm-hmm. blogs and across mainstream platforms. I saw that um, only white brands were getting recognized. I saw that only white women were being centered um, as solutionists and mm-hmm. being centered as um, those who are working towards sustainability. Um, <clears throat> when I went to events, I did not see us represented Mm-hmm. I didn't see us represented in discussions around solutions and around um, around how to combat uh, climate and environmental injustice. And so I literally, I, I didn't have necessarily a, a, you know, a big aha moment. It was sort of a snowball effect of, um, wait a minute, I know why I love sustainability and I know why, and I know so many others in my network who are really dope vanguards in the sustainability space, although it may not have been articulated that way. Right. Um, I want to create a platform called Melanin Ass where I'm amplifying the black and brown folks who 
have been leaders and, and who have been intentionally invisible in this space, um, not only to, to combat what's going on in the mainstream industry, but so that we can connect with each other, so that right. we can see each other and say, oh, my sis over here in Philly has a dope sustainable collection or, you know, uh, auntie in, in uh, Gambia is out here <laughs> growing some yes. amazing uh, crops that are creating innovative and technologically savvy uh, materials. Like I just, I wanted it to be, yes, to combat what's happening in the mainstream space, the white noise that mm -hmm. was taking place, but also, and, and probably more potently, a way for us to celebrate and commune with one another and, and find support um, on an on a intercommunal level. And yes. so that's why Melanin Ass was originally created. And that sort of became my, my uh, benchmark to the work that I'm doing today and hopefully forever. Uh, Melanin Ass is forever my, my baby um, for that reason. Yes, yes, I totally relate to being like seeing all of the white faces at the forefront of the environmental and sustainability movement. And it's just like, you don't feel represented. So you have to make the space to be able to highlight everyone else who's doing amazing work, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so tell me about like your other ventures. You know, you just mentioned that you have other things going on. Like you have sustainable Brooklyn, the greenish book, the renewal workshop, like, ah, Okay. You are always busy, girl. How? <laughs> How do you keep it together? I mean, that's uh, the question, but <laughs> you know, seriously, what are like what are you really excited about and what are you like really working on right now? I'm I mean, I'm excited for a lot. And yeah. I think the reason why I'm able to to wear so many different, you know, do-rags and, and fedoras and hats yes. um is because there is no dichotomy between my personal life necessarily and my professional life like literally there is a bridge um that that connects how i live my day to day and the work and the ways i'm trying to impact um community and systems mm -hmm. um there's no oh that's your career and then you're over here no yeah. it's all meshed together which i think is it, it, it creates this beautiful momentum to continue to be, to have my hands in all of these different um, organizations and projects and initiatives. But um, Sustainable Brooklyn is definitely one of them with co-founder Whitney McGuire. I think we've been operating now, I think we're on year three, time flies with mm -hmm. pandemic and things. Mm -hmm. um, and we're both uh, mothers. So um, Sustainable Brooklyn literally was created purely from a passion of exactly what Melanin As was created from. Yeah. Both of us um, were sick and tired, right? Mm -hmm. Both of us were sick and tired of um, the, the mainstream whiteness. Um, and, but also us wanting to celebrate uh, community and also provide resources and provide, really challenge the narrative of mainstream discourse. Um, and so we created Sustainable Brooklyn to, to really um, create our own set of standards of what sustainability looks like and feels like for us, for us, by us, very FUBU, yes. very yes. FUBU-esque. Um, and so with Sustainable Brooklyn, 
you know, we have our infamous elemental symposiums, earth, air, fire, water. Uh, we did earth and air and it stopped at uh, fire because of the pandemic, go figure, very symbolic. Yes. Um, and so, you know, even with our bigger events like the symposiums, we were able to completely transform how we have um, environmental, interactive environmental discussions. And I'm talking about our programming literally was sustainable um, from the speakers that we had, all black and brown or predominantly black and brown speakers. So we're centering us, we're centering uh, wellness woven into our programming, breath workshops and food that was created locally by members of our community. Like we really wanted to challenge how um, events were curated uh, in that way. And mm -hmm. that's just a small part. We have local volunteer days and we have continuous resource sharing and things of that nature. And I just think Sustainable Brooklyn is so cutting edge because we took the temperature by asking folks in our community, what does sustainability even mean to you and yes. for you? Mm -hmm. um, whereas, you know, so much of, of mainstream discourse uh, creates that for people without asking the people what is needed for them. You know what I mean? Right. So, so we, we even as quote unquote experts took a seat back and, and listen to folks in our community to understand what, what your needs are in terms of mitigating environmental racism and, and amplifying so many of the dope sustainable uh, brands and businesses that are in our community. Yes. And speaking of brands, uh, Sustainable Brooklyn is part of an exciting collective okay. um, that, is, uh, that is spearheading a tech tool but also a directory, but also just revolutionizing um, the statehood of accountability through the Greenish book. Mm -hmm. And the goal of the Greenish book ultimately is to protect Black consumers as a form of sustainability while also holding businesses um, accountable. Because I think we we understand sustainability from a very you know in, environmental point of view uh -huh. and sometimes i think we forget that sustainability is it's it has to include our individual safety it has to include yes. our agency it has to include the not just the environment in terms of you know the air quality we're breathing but how we take up space and how we move and how we have transactions and, and use our money and, and meet with community locally. All of that is very much a part of environment. And so we have to reshape and reframe how we are um, understanding environmentalism, environmental justice, environmental racism. And we're doing that through the Greenish book um, and while paying homage to the original Green book uh, created by Victor. Uh, in Harlem, which was a business directory that uh, notified uh, Black folks who were traveling the, the businesses that were safe for Black mm -hmm. people to engage with. And so we're carrying on the torch from our ancestors and, and continuing that conversation of safety-based sustainability. 
Um, and then I'll talk about one more thing that I'm yes. working on. Um, so I'm not sure if you got the opportunity to listen to The Root. Uh, which, Some of it. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know it's a, it's a very long series. Um, it is a special podcast series uh, that was developed with myself and Kestrel Jenkins of Conscious Chatter. And I believe it's a six part series and we have I never, I can never remember the number of speakers. I believe 14, 15 black and brown indigenous speakers throughout the fashion industry to literally talk about um, ways to dismantle um, and uh, deconstruct and ultimately decolonize how the fashion industry exists and even more poignantly, the sustainable fashion industry. And so from that podcast and those really, really raw discussions and discussions from educators, discussions from policymakers, discussions from those in marketing space. Like we really were very broad um, in terms of who we wanted to talk to to contextualize fashion. From that, Kestrel and I are creating a digital program that is going to ultimately uh, create pockets of unlearning to revolutionize a new understanding of fashion supply chain, bringing in those, some of those similar educators um, so that brands can really, really understand um, how to decolonize their internal business and brand um, so that we can move forward. And yes. I'll stop there. I know. I, I feel like I can go on and on about that program. We're still in the infancy, the, the beginning stages of, of working on, on Rooted. Um, but we're, we're working on a really exciting digital program that's, that's going to change the way brands uh, operate and, and build within their uh, internal infrastructure. Yes. So that program is specifically for brands. It's specifically for, well, we're thinking of it, of it being for brands, but also for educators. Okay. So those who are educating folks who make up the brands. Right. Um, so that's what we're teetering with. But mm -hmm. again, we're still literally in the ideation brainstorming phase. Um, and we think that brands have a lot of agency to to be able to to evoke real systems-based change so absolutely the focus for now will be on brands and potentially educators uh so yeah yes i love that that's so exciting thank you hey it's ariel just interrupting this interview to remind you to leave a review on apple podcasts if you're enjoying this show it really helps the show be discovered by more people and it helps us to grow so that we can keep doing more amazing interviews like this one. So go ahead and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much. Now let's get back to it. So tell us, I mean, obviously fashion is like your main, you know, like focus. So, and I know you use fashion as like a form of activism. So how is that, like, how does that work? Like, how can I, as a regular person who's like, you know, kind of interested in fashion, but how can I, you know, use fashion as activism? Yes. First of all, none of us are regular. We are all, <laughs> we are all dope, influential folks yes. who are, who are out in this world, um, creating all type of provocative change. Um, 
And to be honest, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I have gone to a lot of talks and yeah. I've listened to a lot of quote unquote professionals and experts. And the reality is, is that we all have a role to play because we all wear clothes, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think that there's this like, not esoteric, but almost this, this need to like, to like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, basically, look, we all have agency in this fashion game. And especially, especially, especially if you're a black and brown indigenous person, I think that there is a very important and unique opportunity for us to reclaim that, for us to understand that for, for historically our fashion has always been cultural or political. Um, and it's always been a form of sustainability, whether it, you know, whether we worked with our hands to, to really create garments or whether we are wearing something that a friend made mm -hmm. or whether we have to buy even fast fashion because out of resourcefulness, like we right. all have played a role in a positive role in sustainability. Um, and I think it's at this point, it's, it's just about reclaiming, um, reclaiming fashion and, or reclaiming sustainability and fashion for that reason. Um, and understanding, like even looking at your closet and, and going through some of your pieces and saying, you know, what does this piece mean to me? Uh, who made this piece? How did I, how did I come, you know, did I thrift this piece? Oh, that's sustainable. I think it's just figuring out the, figuring out and, and reclaiming the fact that we've been sustainable and understanding that so many of us have, have worn ethical, conscious, uh, talk pieces, think pieces, um, since inception yeah. and, and being able to articulate that and have fun with it um and not feeling pushed out of the conversation of fashion mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes okay i love that so we can all we can all have our have our own statement through our fashion yeah we can all have our own statement through our fashion absolutely um i i'm just i'm just at a point now where i really 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 especially black folks i really want us to be like look every piece in here I have for a reason and yes. even the pieces that I you know even the the moments where I over, over consumed for a reason mm -hmm. I can analyze why I over consumed and we can have that dialogue or I can analyze why I you know have this piece or why I don't own this piece I think there's just so many ways that we can scrutinize our closets in a very positive way um, because the industry has been so harsh in, in saying no, 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 no point finger, point finger. And I'm, I'm thinking a little bit more optimistically, but also intentionally about how we should be looking at our closets, um, and, and how we can use our, uh, our fashion pieces to, to amplify messages of culture, to amplify messages of community or support, uh, local support or things of that nature.
Yes, I love that. One way that I've kind of been more intentional about my closet is by having a capsule. So it's like mm -hmm. everything Same. I bring in, it's like, I know it's going to work. I know why I'm buying it. And it's just, it's been great for, you know, helping me to stop over consuming and, you know, be more intentional. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I have maybe a couple capsules as yeah. well. And, and even yeah. thinking about when it's time to, to quote unquote purge or get rid of pieces that don't align with you, mm -hmm. being intentional about how you get rid of those pieces, right. understanding that fashion waste is, is a very, is part of a very um, intentional and exploitive colonial system that, um, that economically disempowers black and brown communities around the globe right yes so being very intentional about how you quote unquote get rid of pieces that no longer serve you um that you no longer align with like really understanding your style iq is something that i've said for many years um but but understanding that like for example i just did a quote unquote purge and i literally had a couple of different piles one was my mending pile like okay i have pieces that i just have not worn because it needs to be mended like mm -hmm. whole sleeves coming off or mm -hmm. huge tears in the crotch like right. i'm like okay this has been sitting in my closet for almost a year because i have not took the time to mend it so that's yes. one pile mm -hmm. um another pile was dry cleaning like why do i i just need to get this professionally clean so that i can wear it again you'd be surprised how many pieces that are in your closet that just need to be properly, you know, cleaned or conditioned. Mm -hmm. um, another pile I had, let me make sure I had that, that, that. Um, another pile I had was clothes that didn't fit me anymore. So, you know, I postpartum body, I'm putting you up for uh -huh. another time in my life. I still love you. <laughs> I'm putting you in a bin for another time or for another season, you know, cause if you live in New York, uh, like I do, winter and and summer two different two very contrasting seasons so putting you in a box and then i had another pile for um donations now this is a pile i know oftentimes uh folks just want to get rid of stuff and so it's like salvation army let me just donate it here donate it here but mm -hmm. i wanted to be very intentional about um the different organizations that get these clothing uh, and so my donations were even split in piles like this is I can give this to my church down the street, I can give this to a local organization that focuses on uh, mother mother and daughters shelters, I can give this to another organization that's very intentional about upcycling old gently used pieces, things of that nature and so like even just being intentional about where your clothes go once you don't want them anymore and you've created your capsule i think is very important as well yes absolutely that's a great idea to to make different piles when you're going through your clothing awesome yeah 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 so now i kind of want to shift into your role as a mother like you're a new Ooh. mom to baby sage so yes. tell me like what has being a mom taught you about sustainability mm. Okay, so <laughs> it is it is it is a journey. I think the first lesson that motherhood taught me about sustainability is, um, I guess, more on an internal 
and spiritual level. Um, it's just the idea of letting go and, and flowing. Um, I had a natural, or excuse me, not a natural. I had a, um, a vaginal home birth, mm -hmm. um, low intervention home birth. And with Sage who came two weeks late wow. and <laughs> yeah, right. With Sage who came two weeks late and, um, and while I was in labor for seven days, oh in inactive labor for seven days and active labor for 36 hours, um, I had all of these plans, right? I had this idea of when he would come and, and how long it would take. And I think it was such a beautiful and very intense, but a beautiful reminder that sustainability, a big part of sustainability is about flow, like intuitive flow, um, ancestral flow. Uh, a lot of sustainability is about listening um, and taking a step back to let the universe do its thing, mm. right? I think oftentimes, or too often, you know, and uh, we, we think about sustainability in very, uh, very concrete terms. And, and, and it is a very systemic issue. Um, environment, the environmental crisis is a very systemic issue. And I talk about the system a lot. Um, but I think it's, it's motherhood has created this beautiful reminder to, um, to just feel and to just be, um, and to really create somewhat of a rhythmic energy that you're not in charge of. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, there's just been this beautiful opportunity to, to learn how to flow, um, which has been hard for me because I'm a Leo and, <laughs> and sometimes I don't want to flow. I just want to roar. You feel me? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, motherhood has, has taught me that I don't always have to be the one taking these steps in charge. I don't always have to, uh, I can just let go. Yeah. And, and sometimes that's important. And, and when you let go, you're able to receive messages. You're able to open up vessels for unlearning. You're able to connect um, in different ways. And if we truly, truly think about it, the, the climate crisis um, and all of the detriments with regards to the environment is, is about connection or lack thereof. Mm -hmm. So being able to open up and think more deeply about this idea of connection um, as a mom. Um, and, and, you know, and it's, of course, it's me as, as a mom and, and then to Sage and my fiance and, and then to my community and then to, and then it just expands outward, but it, it's, it's just this flow of connection that I think has been super powerful in, in channeling and learning about as, an, as a new mom. Yes, I love that. I love that so much. Thank you. <laughs> so as a busy mom and partner and working woman, do you ever like experience eco anxiety? And like, how do you stay grounded in such a fast paced environment? 
Um, ego anxiety. You know, I know this is a very, very common term, phrase, feeling for a lot of folks. I, and it's funny because I'm, as I'm thinking about just even the, the ideology of ego anxiety, I'm having a hard time just putting words to what I feel about it because Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I I do think that there is a, there is a, a a certain amount of privilege that comes with um, the mainstream idea of eco anxiety Um, because for a lot of folks in my network, a lot of folks in my community, a lot of black and brown folks in general, before they can fully conceptualize having anxiety with everything that's happening to the earth, there are so many pertinent um, other environmental factors that affect health and well-being and livelihood. Um, and it's all connected. And I, I think they don't, I don't think they should be separated. Um, but I'm thinking of that if that makes sense. So I I don't personally um, suffer from eco-anxiety. I suffer from, I potentially have other anxieties Uh as uh, as a Black woman in America and and raising a Black son um, that come before uh, eco-anxiety. But but yeah, I don't, I don't think I have eco-anxiety. I think I'm just very cognizant of all of the different ways in which um, environmental racism takes up agency uh, as a Black person on American soil. Yes. So I'm thinking of all the things all the time. And I don't know mm-hmm. if I would call it anxiety and I don't know if I would call it equal anxiety, but I'm very much aware. I feel all of the different ways in which environmental racism persists um, in, a, in a microcosm as well as in a macrocosm, short-term all the way to long-term. Um, I'm, I'm often thinking in, in very abstract ecosystem-based ways. And so I'm aware so I wouldn't say I have eco anxiety. I ju- I'm just aware of how everything is connected and the cause and effect of um, of uh, colonialism as it mm-hmm. as it affects uh, and and touches on all the things. Yes, yes, I totally get that because it's not just like when you think of eco anxiety, you think of like climate change, like oh we're all doomed. But as a black and brown person, it's more than climate change. Like you said, it's environmental racism that you see in your community every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So I guess. And that's why it's hard to answer that question because I know Mm -hmm. when when people ask it, it's very much, there's just this mainstream connotation of doom and gloom. Right. um, You know, and so in stepping away from that, sort of ideology, I think it's imperative to make it be known that I'm just aware of all of the the ways in which shit is connected and how it affects, disproportionately affects um, uh, folks in my community. Right, absolutely. And we we can't change that. We've been living with those elements forever. 
um, well, since colonization. And so we feel that very differently than I feel like most folks uh, feel. And so, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that is a great segue into our last question, which is what does being a sustainable brown or black girl mean to you? Mm. I think it means just being me. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I, know, I don't know if that's a generic ass answer. No, no, it's not. <laughs> but um, I think it, it, it truly means just being yourself um, in, in a very congested space where sustainability and green and eco and all of this propaganda around um, environmental, environmentalism is shoved in your face. Um, I think there's just an innate beauty to just being yourself and also in realizing that you being yourself has so many beautiful, unapologetic, rich um, points of, of sustainability that you need to nourish and that can, can be points of, of education to nourish your community as well. Yes. So yeah, yes. really just being being yourself as I like it. as a sustainability uh, as a very holistic sustainability uh, being. Yes, yeah, definitely, girl. You were doing so much in the sustainability movement. Like you were just doing all of the things, and I am here for it. So oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. And I mean, if there's anything specifically that you want to promote to direct people towards, then you can do that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, first of all, thank you for this interview. It's always, I still have so much um, mom brain, mom fog, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, in addition to like pandemic fog, right. that I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to continue to have these really exciting conversations and get out of uh, mommy mode and, and baby talk. Yeah. Um, well, not real baby talk, but, uh, but yeah, so I do want to, uh, at least share this collaboration I have coming up with, uh, Sustainable Brooklyn in partnership with Start Empowerment. We have a summer school program, uh, taking place on June 7th. The first class is June 7th, which is, uh, Sage's birthday. But ultimately, it's a six-week program uh, from June 7th to July 16th. Um, The courses are going to be taught by all Black and Brown Indigenous organizers to completely redefine justice in the climate movement. Um, Each week is going to be a class and a lecture focusing on everything from capitalism and colonialism to revolutionary movements and uh, black rep- black liberation movements all the way into uh, environmental justice. And so I can send you the link, but yes. get into this summer school because a lot of what sustainability discourse needs right now is unlearning and re-education. And so excited to be part of this collaboration and to continue to push out programs where we are re-educating especially young people, Mm -hmm. um, 
about sustainability and really cha challenging and changing uh, archaic narratives of what sustainability looks like. Yes. So it is called Summer School, and that is again with Sustainable Brooklyn and Start Empowerment. And the first course starts June 7th, and there will be a link where you can go and purchase very affordable tickets for that. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. We'll share the link in the show notes. That sounds like an amazing program. Thanks yes, for sharing that. Of Yay. course, of course, of course, of course. Thank you so much, Dominique. It's been such a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. I love your podcast and excited to share, promote, and continue to support you. Thank you. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.